Welcome to Season 5, Episode 7 of the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. I'm Lola Dada Ali. In this episode, we discuss one mother's story about all she went through to get her child the services she needed. Uku Ekeng is a mother, wife, and life coach now based in Texas. Her daughter has complex medical needs that required her to get health care that wasn't as readily available where she originally was from. Through perseverance, grit, and grace, Coco and her family are now in a place where her daughter is on her way to receiving all the services she needs. In our talk, we discuss the many challenges she experienced relocating to a new country, then a new state, once in the United States, and how she remained steadfast in it all. So, with that in mind, let's get started. Lead therapist, life coach, Renaissance woman, all of the things. Welcome to the Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast. Thank you very, very much for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. <laughs> so I've had the pleasure of talking to you a couple times before our interview, but for our guests, I would love to ask like I normally like to ask about the origin story. So before you became a parenting coach, talk to us about how it all started. But before I even became a parent, before I even went into life coaching, how did it all start? So I I was this poster child who blazed through all the schools, never gave my parents any trouble. I say this very, very lightly. <laughs> But I was one of those children who just blazed through school by maybe 20, 20, 21. I had already finished from university and I was, everything was just kind of going smoothly. Before I knew it, I was doing my master's degree. I worked in an organization in Nigeria for about a year. And so went abroad, did my master's degree for about another year. And and so probably almost two years, came back, got a wonderful oil company job and <laughs> you know, so it was all, all wonderful and all gravy, and just life was, um, just good, and you know everything was just flowing and smooth. I um, was um, working. I I just kind of began to feel a sense of um, this unease. I, the way I would describe it was I felt like my crown was cast um, in a sense that I felt I had so much potential, but I wasn't, it wasn't being expressed. I felt that nobody saw me the way I saw myself. I, I saw myself as this, this special person that had all that potential, but I just felt it wasn't being expressed at work. So one specific day, something happened at the office. I was, I was given a new role that I wasn't trained for. And it was more like, hey, you should even be happy at getting this role because we were even going to let you go. Okay. So I take the role. I get like 
maybe like 30 minutes training from the person I'm taking over from. I don't even know what the role is about. I'm just confused and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can take my laptop home. So I had just gotten a work laptop because I was taking over this person's role and this person had used a laptop at, at the office. So it was one of these international organizations where you have to go through processes to get the laptop. So it took quite a while for me to get that laptop. And I didn't, at the time, I didn't know why. I just thought that was the process. So I got the laptop. And that day, I was about to go home to try to spend the whole weekend learning my new job. And then my boss calls me, like I'm almost at the door. And he calls me back. And he's like, where are you going with that laptop? I'm like, I want to go home. I want to study. And he's like, he tells me a story about how he was in a different country and he got robbed. And the first thing that the company, when he reported the robbery, the first thing they asked him was, did they take your laptop? So he he just was trying to let me know how well the company is very particular about their equipment and their information and all that. And then, and that was fine. I understood that. But then he added, and our boss was wondering why you even needed a laptop. And that's why your application took so long. And I had to kind of, give a justification as to why you even needed almost like I had to justify what you are even doing here and that was it I just went back to my seat I docked the laptop and it was one of those I'm one of those internal people who when I'm hurt I go inside I'm not I don't vocalize I would just crawl into a ball so there was I crawling into a ball and walking to my car with tears in my eyes I just said you know what you're either going to cry and spend the whole weekend being upset that's once again, you you don't feel valued or you're going to try to do something for you, you know? So I called a friend of mine who was already involved with um, the Life Coaching Association in Nigeria. And I called him like, hey, um, how can I get started? Because I, I knew I wanted to help people. I knew the work environment was not all that I imagined it was going to be as a young child. And hey, it was going to be, amazing you work for an oil company that was the, like the top of the top in Nigeria and I just felt like it was different in school and it was different in reality and people needed to know people needed to know what they needed to know to flourish at their workplaces so that was the first thing I had I had just had a hazy idea but I knew I just wanted to educate and help people so she goes hey call uh, Larry Olushola, who is the head of the life coaches in Nigeria, who became my mentor and you know taught me so many things. I went through so many trainings through his academy. So that was it. There began my life coaching. <laughs> there began my life coaching journey. So I went in for life coaching, thinking I was going to help others, not knowing I was actually going to help myself. It was almost like my life was turned around and there was a mirror in front of me I could see my whole life and I was like oh my god I wasn't happy with where I was it was really sobering it was almost like I was thrown up into the air and I just had to try to grow new legs to keep keep on the journey because I couldn't use the legs I had been using before so that was it my journey that was how my journey into life coaching started at the time, my daughter had started having health challenges. She basically was fine at birth, extremely beautiful, extremely. You know, when you wonder how this person came out of you, like how, when, why are her nails like this? Why does she look like this? Like, 
how? Who does she look like? <laughs> you know, everything was fine. She talked fine quickly. She started walking very early because she had an older brother who would jump into her baby walker and <laughs> take off. And then she would literally be grabbing onto the baby walker and have to take off with <laughs> take off with him. So she basically learned to walk before she even learned to crawl. It was kind of like pretty fast and everything was going fine until she turned two. Just before she turned two, she just started vomiting. And it was like there was nothing that was stopping the vomiting. It was just medicine. The, uh, the, then we were living in Nigeria. Different medicines were given. Everything was given. And it just went on that way. And like the way I like to describe it, in, in, in this, I like to describe it in this way, even though if I describe that to a doctor, I find that I'm shut down immediately. But hey, this is my interview, so I'll describe it the way I want to. So she was vomiting, and then at some point, the vomiting subsided, and it graduated into her having seizures. So at the time, we did not even know what seizures were. So it, we finally found, went around so many different doctors, Finally, and it was at sleep time. So it was kind of hard to get her to have what we were called. We called it shaking at the time, like she's shaking. We didn't know. So we finally, it finally kind of happened in front of a doctor where she retched and then she kind of froze and all that. And the doctor goes, oh, okay. Um, it seems it's either she has something going on nasally, nasally or... It's something with the brain. So I noticed there's a difference between Nigeria and here from my own experience. So here in the U.S., they start from the worst case scenario. So they will take you for all the major tests, MRIs and all that. And then they will rather find out that, oh, it's not from the brain. It's actually just adenoids. But in, the, in Nigeria, it was the opposite experience we had. So she said, go and do like an X-ray of her nasal area. And they found out, oh, she has enlarged adenoids. I'm like, oh, her adenoids are enlarged. Then we started treating enlarged adenoids. So we had treated vomiting. Then we started treating enlarged adenoids. Months later, it ha- she, she, we go for a doctor's visit, and she happens to be asleep at the time, thankfully. Then she has what we got, got to find out now is a seizure. She had a seizure, and the doctor said, hey, that's a seizure. Well, that was the regular pediatrician. And then he put us on some seizure, anti-seizure medicine. And at the time, we still were not educated about the medicine. We just kind of started giving her the medicine. And then so it was kind of like in between, we would go to an ENT and ENT say, no, it's not seizures. I'm sure it's sleep apnea. You better stop taking that seizure medicine. Then the, the doctor said, no, it's seizures. You better take the seizure medicine. <laughs> it was just a lot. So at some point, we because we were not convinced, we stopped giving her the seizure medicines. The seizures got worse. We had to bring her to the U.S. and practically try to see her regular doctor, try to get an appointment with neurologists neurologist in Atlanta. Tried to um, see a neurologist. Of course, that was going to take a very long time. In the end, there was a time she had this really, she had a really bad seizure. We had to call 911. At the time, she actually came with her dad because I was stuck in Nigeria because I tr- I had tried to change my name on my passport. That was another story entirely. My passport was held for months and months. So I was like going crazy. Her dad brought her. Let me just say we, we got, we, she stayed a few days in the hospital. We came back to 
Nigeria and literally he came back, let's say, on a Friday evening. We literally landed in Luth, that's Luth in Nigeria on Monday morning. It was just an experience. So so we started seeing a particular doctor in Luth. So she kind of tapered her off the medicines they had given her in the U.S. and started her back on the first set of medicines that the doctor in Nigeria had given. Within a couple of weeks, the seizures actually stopped. So we had like about a year and some months where she was seizure-free, even though the medicines had, she had started having behavioral issues like hyperactivity and just always being hungry and sort of gaining weight, like not just, not like almost like her limbs not really working properly, her not necessarily having a good grip, almost like watery limbs, you know what I mean? So we dealt with that, and then they said, okay, she's seizure-free for about two years, then we'll start to take out the medicine. Unfortunately, not long before the two years, she started having seizures again. At the time, the two doctors we were seeing, so we, the first doctor who diagnosed her, who was a pediatrician that was just interested, not that he was a new, then there was a neurologist. Both of them had left Nigeria. So, you know, so one was actually Indian, so I think he went back home. The other one was Nigerian and had, and from what I heard, had gotten kind of frustrated with her job or something and relocated. So there we were. I remember busting into tears, like, what are we supposed to do now? And then somehow we've got to see another neurologist in Nigeria who kind of managed her at a point where things just kind of got worse. And at some point, it got to the point where my mom had to beg us and we were like, please, can you just take this girl to the U.S.? Can you just take her and please don't bring her back until she's well? Literally. So that was what happened. We were supposed to go on a vacation in the summer of 2019. We were supposed to go to Atlanta. And we had even booked an appointment with the neurologist that she had started seeing and all that. And but that didn't happen. It wasn't a vacation anymore. It was just like, okay, we're just going to get to the U.S. Our first entry was at New Jersey. And when we entered New Jersey, it was literally like going into New Jersey and making a 911 call. And then she was in hospital in Philadelphia for probably three and a half weeks. So we basically, she was in hospital. We, were, we stayed in someone in my aunt's place temporarily. And then we were kind of stuck. <laughs> like we didn't know where to find a house we didn't know where to find anywhere to live this was a we were just I, I i remember my neck being stiff like i couldn't look left or right because i was just first of all i had slept in the hospital beside her for about three and a half weeks so I, that wasn't comfortable that was very stressful then we were like trying to find a place to stay trying to find you know just trying to settle in and we were kind of like just stuck. And then a friend calls me from Nigeria and says, hey, there is a friend in Texas who has a home and she's looking to rent the top floor of her house. And there we were. We bought Southwest Airlines because they, Southwest allows you to take two bags. We packed all our stuff, which we had brought from Nigeria, into two bags or whatever we had. And off we went to Texas where we had never been before, we had never met the lady before. All I knew was that she had a house, she had a top floor, she was ready to rent, and there was a school down the road, an elementary school down the road. That's all I needed to know. 
and we got in there, started on our new journey. <laughs> yeah, started on from Atlanta journey. to Texas, from Atlanta no, to, so Nigeria. to Atlanta to back to Nigeria, then to New Jersey to to Philadelphia, back to New Jersey, then to Texas to Dallas. So I mean, and then the you know a new life starts, and then we um, we try to get her into to register, get her into the into get care for her basically, care in school, care uh, in the hospital, care in terms of therapies, just and then like you said, just being blind and just just from one person to the other, like literally asking what hospital should I go to, literally asking. How do I even get her enrolled in special needs? Literally asking or just getting a phone call from the school that, hey, oh, you dropped your daughter in school today. She's grabbing people's pencils. I'm like, yes, um, she's actually supposed to be in special needs. They're like, okay, please, can you come in? We need to do evaluations and this and that. And we're going to, I literally met angels along my path who helped me through because this was a lot to juggle. You're juggling living in a new place. And in all this, she has an older brother. So I'm, I have two children with me. You know, he's going through all his changes. I'm going through all my changes and we're trying to set, trying to establish everything, trying to, we, he just turned seven at the, at the time. So just trying to juggle everything. So we stayed in uh, for six months at the house, the, the lady's house. And then I kept hearing about Plano about another school district. So the school district she was in was was new. It was really nice, but they hadn't. They were not not yet funded and equipped for special needs, at least not the kind of needs that she had. At the time, we hadn't even done evaluation for autism. At that time, we were still kind of battling with seizures, and at the and we were still we. By the time I'll backtrack a little bit to when we got to. New Jersey. At the time, she was having three seizures every hour. So she'd go to bed and then boom, 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 every hour, three seizures. So that was kind of what we were still battling with and then battling with the behavioral, trying to settle her in school. So I kept hearing about this other school district in Plano where they were very equipped for special needs and everything. And they would give your daughter what she needs. And then I'm like, okay. I told you I had many angels that came my way. I met um, someone who and introduced me to a, a realtor who helped me find uh, a condo in Plano. And then she offered to co-sign my lease. I had just met her that day. I met her through a wow. family doctor in Nigeria. Yes. And she offered to co-sign my lease. And then that's how we moved to Plano. And Plano hasn't disappointed me. They do have an amazing school district. Really have, have catered for her needs. From a knowledgeable standpoint, like experience, you know who you, you know the people you're talking to are experienced people. In a in a, in a little nutshell, <laughs> that has been the journey so far. Um, this journey so far, I've met someone else who introduced work. So, the when I got to the first school district. There was a lady, a Nigerian lady, who had been a principal of that school. And everybody kept telling me, oh, there's this wonderful lady who had been the principal of the school. And and I got her phone number. I called her, introduced myself to her. So we got talking. She introduced me to another lady. 
pastors a church with her husband, but she has her own sort of like a ministry where she prays. So she prays every morning. So we pray every morning together. Then she introduced me. Can you see the connections? She introduced me to someone else who is you know, knowledgeable with diets. And so she put my daughter on a different kind of diet, which is like a raw food diet. So I do a lot of juicing. There's a lot of soup. My daughter basically eats like a whole lot of superfoods, like <laughs> the superfoods you can the most any superfood you can take, plus the ones that including the ones I have never even thought about. So it's I mean it's it's definitely a lot of work, but I'm I I feel that I'm giving her the best in terms of her nutrition. So so we're still on the journey. I mean we're still there. <laughs> we're still there. Today is her birthday. She woke up smiling. We are very excited. It's a good day. We are very happy. <laughs> I can relate to just being happy simply because your child is smiling, especially when smiling was once such a big, I mean, it was for us. I remember the first time she smiled, she was almost three. Oh my God. Like the first time she really (laughs) smiled with all her teeth. So when you told me that earlier, I could truly relate. It's just yeah. To say your heart is warm is an understatement. So I understand. Mm-hmm. Well, like I, to watch her smile and actually play with her balloons, that's a big one. <laughs> so yeah, so she knows she knows we're celebrating her today. That's a big one. I'm very, yeah. very excited. I mean that's that that makes my day. So you said you've said so many important things, but one thing you said about how back in Nigeria, when you were training to be a life coach, you thought you were doing it for other people, but you discovered you were doing it for yourself. So in the midst of all these challenges, you named multiple cities you lived in, in a very short amount of time, trying to make yeah. sure your daughter has the proper care, health care, and education she needs to thrive. How were you able to employ your life coach principles that you thought you were going to use for other people? How did you take all that training and focus it inward? What did you start? What principles did you start using in your own life to get you to where you are today? God took me to life coaching to prepare me for what was to come. Because like I told you before, before my life was like easy, easy peasy. And little Little challenges, little things, I wouldn't even call them challenges. Little things could throw me off because I expected everything to be perfect, right? So if I came out and I looked for a taxi and I was standing in the sun for, what, 15, 20 minutes and I couldn't get the taxi, I felt, oh my God, God is angry with me. There's something going wrong here. And I would get, I would literally start getting anxious. So I remember then I always had like, my friends always, joked with me like girl you give you are the one who gives yourself a headache I always had like Panadol extra in my bag always literally and at some point I had started taking calms which is like a I think I got introduced to it when my father died and then I started taking calm like oh I need to calm down oh I'm so stressed out I need to <laughs> over like it's so funny so I think God God took me to life coaching to prepare me to just like Nigerians say, be calming down. <laughs> yes. So I literally, 
I literally the first time I I I started getting frantic and I couldn't just pop some calms or pop some med- medicine was when I got pregnant for my first son. I got pregnant and I got that feeling. Oh my God, I'm stressed. I need to start taking. I'm like, oh wait, you're pregnant. Oh God, you can't take these things. And then I started learning how to. So I would soothe myself. Everything is going to be okay. It's okay. You can't find your phone, but just take it easy. Life will go on. You know, <laughs> it's amazing. So with life coaching, I would tell you the first thing that has helped me through the the most important thing that has helped me through is gratitude. Every time I am in a spot, I'm in a bind where I could complain, I would thank God that, thank God you are even in America. What if you were not here? In Nigeria, you had gotten to the end of your road. You were literally, I was literally running after doctors in supermarkets. Excuse me, my name is, my daughter was the one who, it was, that was how it was. Literally running after doctors. There's something called a change of state where you, you can be in a particular state, but you can, you can actually decide to change your state. Like just because you're upset doesn't mean that's just a state. That's just all it is. The situation does not have to change for you to change your state to a state of joy. You can choose that state. And guess what? Not only can you, not only will, will your choice help you, it will also help the situation. That's one of the things I learned. One of the, I think the most powerful thing I probably learned in life coaching and other trainings I had done, like neurolinguistics programming, uh, like emotional freedom techniques. It was just, just right now, this is how you feel, but you can actually change. So I would so I almost do it automatically as a coping mechanism. So one of the things that happened when we got here was she regressed. So she was probably fully potty trained and was going to the bathroom by herself. Can you imagine having a child who goes to the bathroom herself, but one day goes to the bathroom but re- re- forgets to pull down her pants? or pull up her, her dress. So she goes to the bathroom, like she remembers enough to go to the bathroom, but doesn't remember. So she sits down on the chair, seat, but goes on herself, number one and number two. Then it got to the point where she would just forget to go to the bathroom and just go wherever. So I could be having a conversation. There was a day I was having a conversation with a friend. I noticed, I saw like brown stuff on the curtain and I'm like, oh my God, what's this? So I run and I go and I find her. So I find she's gone on herself and not only that, she's walked around. So there's poop on the rug and there's poop on the tiles and (laughs) like down. And then I'm like, okay, hey girl, this just happened. I need to get off the phone. By the time I, I'll call you when I'm done. By the time I called my friend back, it was 50 minutes. So this was 50 minutes of me scrubbing the floor, putting her into the bathroom, making sure I had her clean, changing, uh, changing her. This was me, this was 50 minutes of movement of just that's when I that's the first time I calculated it like wow, 50 minutes of scrubbing, cleaning. <laughs> you know, and, and at the time I I struggled with putting her in pull-ups. I struggled with it. I'm like, am I am I helping her to regress or am I 
helping myself. You know, it it, it just was a struggle. Like I literally got forced. I literally got forced into it. Like <laughs> get the pull ups. Put her in the pull ups. She will be fine. She will. I mean, when she grows out of it again, she will. You know, oh, man. Thinking about it, those things make me emotional. Like, but at the time, so now I'm focused on what helped me through it. I would, I would just change my states. I would change my thoughts. So I'm right there and I'm doing all that, but I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of something that put it puts a smile on my face. I'm thinking of something that makes me laugh. I always joke, like my favorite artist is Bonner Boy. <laughs> I always joke about that. And I'm like, hey, Google, play Bonner Boy. <laughs> I'm just like, boom. And I'm doing everything I need to do. I'm trying to get my older child to freeze. Stop moving. Stay in one place. There's stuff all over. <laughs> Don't stand. Don't move around. And then at the same time, so I would say just, just a change of state. Like, Literally doing whatever I could at that time to cope, just changing my uh, my my emotions. So even if at that time I couldn't sit down and start saying, "Oh, thank God I'm even here," thank God I'm no, but at least I had music to anchor me. You know, just change that state and put me in that. Even if it was just for that moment, it didn't change the actual situation, but it changed how I felt at that point. So yeah, so I, w- I have to tell you, I have to tell you. So, and then another thing was helping myself with a morning routine because there were times when thoughts will come, thoughts will come like, like negative thoughts. And it's almost like it attacks, like an attack where every, and it's like your heart is beating, my heart is beating, I'm already getting um, trepidation because, hey, I'm an immigrant. And that's a very sensitive subject. The fact that your daughter is ill, it, it's not a reason right now, according to the law. It's not a reason for you to be able to have an extended stay. I mean, you could extend your stay, but it gets to a point. So that's another thing, another angle to think about. You know, so sometimes I would get those panic attacks, but I would, I'm like, okay, so. You are imagining things that have not happened. It hasn't happened. You are imagining it. So if you are imagining it and it's affecting you this much, that means you can imagine another scenario and it can affect you in a positive way. So I would choose another scenario and imagine that scenario. You know what I mean? Choosing your thoughts in the morning, choosing how so that you've already filled yourself with positive thoughts before the scary thoughts come. And I have to do that consistently for months until I think those thoughts kind of settled into me. And it was, I, I stopped having those attacks, like sort of like thoughts, negative thought attacks. So, yeah. So gratitude, change of my state and just filling myself with that. And, and, and music helped me a lot. There's another album um, by Travis Green. I always say, I literally fell asleep once in a, in a hospital I had I was sleeping over there for her to do some tests. I literally fell asleep, scared, like frightened. You know when you're just almost like frightened to close your eyes because you don't know what will happen while you're asleep. And I had that music on, and I woke up like refreshed, like like someone had to wake me up, <laughs> like they so they were watching her from a camera, 
someone had to go, mom, 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 because she was she had gotten up and she was kind of trying to get them from the chair. I'm like, oh, what, what, what? They're like, oh, she's trying to get them from the bed. <laughs> so, so yes, those were like, uh, for those of us who understand how it is, there are desperate times. This, these are not nice times. These are not uh, desperate times when you 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 need a desperate help. You know, yeah. Sometimes you just have to you just you just have to find what works for you, and if it works for you, it works for you. And 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 just positive coping mechanisms because there are negative coping mechanisms. I've I've struggled with sugar because it's it's uh, it it helps. How did you move from applying these amazing life coaching skills to yourself, to your own life, to now taking those lessons and helping out others? So when did that start? Or was that going on throughout this process as well? Yes, that was going on throughout this process. So in in the middle of everything, I still kept on to, with my life coaching. I still, I would still write. I would still have cli- the few clients I could get. I would still have them and still help them through their own situations. I would read. Um, if I'm, I always say, if I'm not writing, I'm reading. If I'm not reading, I'm listening to um, something uplifting. If I'm not, and then I continued getting trained. So people would tell me, what are you doing awake at 2 a.m.? I'm like, okay, well, 2 a.m., Sorry, what are you doing? I wake at 2.45. I'm like, I have to wake up at 2.45 because by 3 o'clock is 9 a.m. in Nigeria. At 9 a.m., the training starts. So it's 9 to 5 at night in Nigeria. So I have to wake up at 2.45 because I have to join the training at 3 o'clock because that's Nigerian time. So for me, life coaching and all the other um, techniques, that, that um, therapy techniques that I learned, they, I just kept learning because they just kept anchoring me. It just kept, for me, being in a place of purpose was enough to keep me going in that, okay, so this is what you are doing now. You are a life coach and you are going to keep going ahead with your, with your career. You have been taken away. You don't have your job anymore. You, you now live somewhere trying to build up this whole new life but you're still going to have a career. You're still going to have something that you wake up every morning and you challenge your mind to do. Thanks to the Life Coaching Association, Nigeria, there's always something. There's always a training going on. If it's not a training, it's an Instagram live. If it's not an Instagram live, it's a, it's a, a live on, on um, what's this other one? Clubhouse. It's a, there's always something improving you. So I would attend trainings. I would attend lives. I would, you know, just always growing, just always challenging myself, always growing with my, so trying to, there's the life coaching part of it, but there's the business part of it, trying to join entrepreneurship classes, trying to understand how business people think, how can you monetize your, your, how do you monetize the information you have? You have so much information and you have such a great wealth of experience. How do you monetize it? How do you make it relevant? How do you how are you able to reach the people who need it? So those were the things I, whenever I got the chance, those were the things I filled my mind with, and always just trying to stay ahead, learn something new. I joined a cohort of other people who were also have who also had businesses, who also had done life coaching, who were also trying to tra- um, 
move forward, have their businesses. And I, you know what? And it also took me understanding that, hey, this is my situation. So now, sometimes people say all oh, these aspire to perspire, all these motivational speakers, you are a lion. Take it, seize it, you know? And sometimes I'm like, I'm on the floor, I'm not a lion, I'm a mommy. <laughs> you know, I'm not a lion. I'm, I can't seize it at the moment, you know, but hey, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going, you know. And at some point I realized, hey, uh, what can I do? How can I get my message to the ends of the earth? Like what's, the, what's an effective way that I can do that without having to talk to people every day and talk, 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 talk. And I thought, okay, well, let me write a book or at least let me start writing, you know. So I started with, a, so it's a prayer and affirmation for special needs children and their caregivers. Because yes, they're special needs children, but the caregivers too, you know, let's not forget the caregivers. That's a lot of work, you know. And sometimes the caregivers will have to read to the special needs children. So I started from that and as God will have it, so he connected me to another angel who um, became my book consultant. So she spoke to me and interviewed me sort of like had a session with me and said, okay, so this book is, is like, these are, this is like the leaves. So I need to know the roots. I need to know where you're coming from. And I think she kind of sensed that there was a lot I was coming with. And this was a part of it. And then, so she, she was kind of the one who said, okay, I think you're a parenting coach. And I'm like, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I suppose so, you know, I'm like, okay, but I'm, I'm, I'm more into special needs. And she says, okay, well, start from, let's start from main parenting. And then let's, then you go into what you really want to do, which is special needs. Because we have a lot of parenting coaches, but special needs is a squeamish subject where people, people don't, people, if you, you haven't lived it, it's hard to, you know, because even the words special needs, disabled, neurotypical there are all those words that you have to deal with and you have to balance and manage and use and people can get offended if you use certain words and normal a normal child okay so what's a normal child does that mean my child is abnormal there's just a lot to juggle with and then there's also the thing about okay how did this child become special needs where did it come from there's also that question which leads to okay so was it from the mother was it from it? And it's a, it's a big question. So people, people, are, people. Sometimes people don't want to delve into it. But hey, here I am. I'm gonna. I'm already in it. I'm delving into it. You know, with my hands and legs. I'm already in it. So hey, you know, why not? So 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 I wrote my. That's why you mentioned the strategic parenting. So I wrote my first book, strategic parenting, bringing up children, bringing up wholesome children in today's world. I still have my other book. I'm trying to get this out, get into us. And I also, I already have my other book written. So I just need to get that finished out too. And that'll be out. So it's, it's very rewarding that in the middle of everything, the fact that I can still be productive, it means so much. The fact that I still feel a sense of purpose, it means a whole lot. It helps me through a whole lot. Because if I did have that and I felt like, I'm from a family of overachievers and it's it's tough. It will be very tough for me to have conversations with my mom and feel like she feels like I'm not achieving, if you know what I mean. 
she might not feel that way, but I just feel that way. I'm very proud of my parents and what they've achieved. So it and that 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 keeps me going. So if I feel like I'm I'm not, I don't imagine that I will fill their shoes, but I it keeps me going. It keeps me wanting to do more, and and basically leave a legacy. So if 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 my children one day, if I'm not here and they're they're having a low day, I want them to be able to Google me. And Google what I've done, as they say, Buga, <laughs> you know, and that would just lift them up, you know. So that's for me, that's a, a life goal and it's a life purpose. It's a purpose that keeps me going, even in the hard, tough times, you know. How can people who want to know more about you, your philosophy, where can they find you? So I'm on social media, which seems to be the easiest place to find everybody. Now, if you're not on social media, it's like, hey, <laughs> do you even exist? So I'm I'm on social media. I'm on Facebook as Coco Ekeng. So if you, you, I'm also on Instagram. I'm also on Twitter. I'm not too much of a Twitter person, but hey, I'm on Twitter and I'm on also on LinkedIn. So I'm there. And then um, for those who are not social media people, my email address is Coach Cox. That's Coach and then so C O A C H K O K S at gmail.com. So you can always send me an email, Coach Cox at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please share, subscribe, and leave a five star review on your favorite podcast platform. If you're interested in how our podcast came to be, please check out season one of this podcast in its entirety. If you're interested in our story in written form, check out a series of articles I wrote for psychcentral.com titled The Caregiver's Chronicles. As always, we thank you for your support. Until next time. Not Your Mama's Autism Podcast is hosted and written by my mom, Lola Dada Ali, and it's also co-written and produced by me, Fella Ali. My dad, little sister Alero, and I are all occasional contributors. My dad, Tosin Ali, also helps produce sometimes. Big thanks to my aunt, Wolani Williams Ali, who did our graphic design. See you guys soon.